You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. So now let's examine Um Salama. Who is Um Salama? If you remember from our biography class, maybe at the end of the first year or the beginning of the second year, we briefly mentioned her migration. Um Salama, her name is Hind. Her first name is Hind. Her father's name was Abu Umayyah. She came from the tribe of Bani Makhzum and she was born in Mecca. So she comes from a Meccan tribe. Her father was distinguished among Quraysh to be a man of honor, dignity, and he was known for his generosity. She married Abu Salama al-Makhzumi. So her husband, Abu Salama, comes from the tribe of Bani Makhzum. And basically they were amongst the early Muslims, those who embraced Islam within the first five years of the Ba'tha, Um Salama and her husband. And also her husband, was the cousin of the Prophet the son of the Prophet's aunt. So her husband was related to the Prophet Now we, yes. What's her husband's name? Abu Salama. Oh, okay. So we spoke about her migration to Abyssinia. And if you remember a lot of the stories of what happened in Habasha, and what Ja'far ibn Abu Talib said, what did the king of Habasha, the Najashi said, a lot of it is narrated by who? Um Salama, because she's an eyewitness. She was present there. And then we also examined how she was left behind and she was so upset. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy for her and she migrated to Medina. So this we've already addressed. But now let's talk about her role in Medina. She was quite active in Medina. In fact, she participated in battles in many of the battles with the Prophet, she was there. She would go travel with the Prophet and be at those battles. And after the battle of Uhud, she would regularly go and visit the graves of the martyrs at Uhud. And Lady Fatima would also do that. But here, this is the wife of the Prophet. History has documented that regularly she would go and visit the grave of the martyrs. So when we visit the grave of the martyrs and they accuse us of Bid'a, shirk, innovation. Well, here you have the wife of the Prophet. She was a regular visitor. Historians say she was a regular visitors, visitor of the uh, graves at Uhud. After the battle of Uhud, her husband dies from a wound that he sustained in the battle. So in the battle of the Uhud, her husband, Abu Salama, is wounded. Later on, after the battle of Uhud, he dies. So he dies as a martyr, because if you're wounded in the battlefield and you die as a result of that, you are considered as a martyr in the eye of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's narrated that before he died, he instructed her to marry after him. He told her, look, I know maybe there are some tribal customs that if the husband dies, khalas, the wife has to be wretched for the rest of her life. And she has to mourn him. And some tribes did have that ignorant culture. So Abu Salama, right before he dies, he tells her, look, Um Salama, I command you, I want you to remarry after me. Don't stay grieving me for years and years. Remarry and just continue your life. And then he makes a dua for her. He says, oh Allah, grant Um Salama a husband that is better than me. 
and he sincerely made that dua. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did indeed answer her prayer. After her husband died and the waiting period was over, Abu Bakr came to propose to her. He came officially to propose to her. Well, what does history state? She refused. After Abu Bakr, Umar ibn al-Khattab came, <laughs> he proposed to her, she refused. So basically she apologized and she did not accept. Then the Prophet goes and proposes to her. When the Prophet goes and proposes to her, she tells him, Ya Rasulullah, it's my greatest honor to be your wife, to be at your service, but I have orphans, I don't want to disturb you, I have kids and this could be burdensome for you and I'm not you know that young, I'm a little bit older now so I don't want to burden you. The Prophet basically expressed to her that the reason why he wants to marry her is to care for her. Because her husband died in the battle, the Prophet basically wanted to kind of compensate her because some people when they go through a trial like that, they might think, okay, you know, because of the Prophet and his mission, I lost my husband, I became a widow. So the Prophet, when he saw her, she was a woman of faith, she had patience. To basically pay her back, the Prophet decided to marry her, to take care of her and he told her, your children are like my children, I will take care of them. And the Prophet told her, look, I'm not looking for a young woman uh, and that's not the reason why I'm marrying, even if you're a little bit older, that's fine. We don't exactly know how old she was when the Prophet married her. Some historians have said she was around 30. But based on this conversation she had with the Prophet, where she told him, Ya Rasulullah, I'm a little bit older, I'm not that young. Some scholars have concluded maybe she was a little bit older than 30, because if you're 30, you're still young. Because at this point, the Prophet is like 55, right? So this conversation may not support the idea that she was maybe between 25 and 30, she may have been a little bit older than that, otherwise why would she say that I'm kind of getting old and you know, why do you want to marry me? In any case, historians have cited that she was around 30 when the Prophet married her, but some scholars have reason to believe she was a little bit older than that. Sunni hadith mentioned that when the Prophet married her and that was in the year 4 of the Hijrah, he took her to the room of Zainab bint Khuzayma. Zainab bint Khuzayma was a wife of the Prophet who passed away. Shortly after the Prophet married her, she died. So after she died, the Prophet when he married Umm Salama, he took her to this room. This is what some Sunni hadiths have mentioned. And basically, um, this would mean that the Prophet married Zainab bint Khuzayma before Umm Salama. Whereas we saw from the hadith of Imam Sadiq he mentions Umm Salama first. So it's not really clear if this is accurate or not, whether he really did really take her to the room of um, Zainab bint Khuzayma. Yes? Maybe that later became the room of uh, Zainab bint Khuzayma. But they're saying that when the Prophet married Umm Salama, after the wedding he took her to the room of Zainab. So when Umm Salama went to her room, it's, it's understood that she stayed there. Why would the Prophet tell her to leave later when he married Zainab. So who did he marry first, Zainab or Umm Salama? I'm saying he, I mean obviously Imam Sadiq says. Imam Sadiq indicates Umm Salama, but those who say that, who accept this tradition, doesn't it indicate that he married Zainab first? 
Because how could it be her room if he had not married her yet? That's the first indication, but maybe she got a, another room later on. I don't know. So Um Salama got another room. But the day that the Prophet took her yeah. to that room, whose room was it? Not Zainab's. But later it became Zainab's. So the idea is Um, Zala, um Salama moved to another room and then later, later the Prophet married Zainab bin Khuzaymah and people would refer to that room as her room. It's a likely but maybe, it's a possibility, sure. So she was a very decent wife of the Prophet We have hadiths that state after Khadija, the best wife of the Prophet, the most believing wife of the Prophet was Umm Salama. Dhahabi, the Sunni scholar, he narrates that Aisha would frequently be jealous of her. And therefore we find that when the Prophet married Umm Salama, she became extremely upset. And she had heard that the Prophet has proposed, he's going to marry her, she became extremely upset. Then she's like, let me have patience and let me meet her and get to know her better. So when she met her and she got to know her and her personality, she became even more bitter towards Umm Salama and she grew even more jealous of Umm Salama. And we have a hadith in the Sahihain, Bukhari and Muslim, from Umm Salama, from Aisha. So Aisha narrates this in Bukhari. She says, دَخَلَ عَلَيَّ يَوْمًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ From me. Aisha says, one day the Prophet came to see me. فَقَالَتْ أَيْنَ كُنْتَ مُنْذَ الْيَوْمِ Where were you all day today? I've not seen you. فَقَالَ يَا حُمَيْرَى أَوْ حُمَيْرَى Humaira is the title for Aisha. Later when we examine more of Aisha's biography, we'll examine what Humaira means. Is this a term that is that the Prophet used to kind of spoil Aisha as Sunnis say, to basically, it's a positive thing or the Prophet is referring to something else, we'll examine that later inshallah. He told her, Ya Humaira, Kuntu and Um Salama, I was with Um Salama. She said, according to Bukhari, Ama tashba' min Ummi Salama? Don't you get enough of Um Salama? Enough! <laughs> Don't you get full of Um Salama? Fatabassama sallallahu alayhi wa So the Prophet just smiled. So we find that there was some tension here in terms of jealousy. Um Salama was a woman whom the Prophet trusted her judgment and in fact sometimes he would consult her and he would go with her suggestion. For instance we find in the dilemma of Hudaybiyah, that treaty, where the Prophet came towards Mecca, the pagans blocked him from going and doing their uh, pilgrimage, they were in Ihram, so the Prophet decided to make a peace treaty with the Mushrikeen, this is year 6 of the Hijrah. So the Prophet signs on a treaty, okay we won't enter Mecca now, we'll go back. The companions, especially Umar ibn al-Khattab, they become bitter and they challenged the Prophet and they told him this is not acceptable, this is humiliation, this is weakness, we should fight them, why did you accept? And the Prophet was telling them let's get out of the Ihram, because we're blocked from going to Mecca now, we've made an agreement not to go, they blocked us, I made the agreement, let's just get out of the Ihram and go back to Medina. They refused. Yes, this is our history, read it. They refused, they're standing there, no one moved. These companions, none of them moved, they're like no, 
How am I going to get out of the haram? This is humiliation for us. It means we surrender to the pagans. So the Prophet was in the tent and basically he was um, figuring out what to do with this dilemma. Um Salama got disappointed. She told him, Ya Rasulullah, don't listen to these companions. You go out there out of the tent, you shave your hair, you put on your clothes and get out of the haram and just turn your face and go back to Medina. They want to come, they'll come, they'll follow you. Don't try to convince them anymore and try to uh, have, you know, give them more time to think about this. It's a done deal. Allah has sanctioned this. You're the Prophet. You've made your decision that we're going to stick to this peace treaty and we're going to leave out of the haram. So I ask you go out, shave your head, sacrifice the sheep and just go. The Prophet accepted her suggestion. He found it as a very reasonable suggestion. So while the, com the companions were discussing this, there's confusion, there's controversy, there's a dilemma here. A lot of them are saying no, some say yes, let's follow the Prophet's orders. Suddenly they see the Prophet coming out of his tent, he shaves his head, sacrifices the sheep, wears his clothes, I'm going to Medina. And that effectively ended the dispute. So this was an interesting suggestion that Um Salama made to the Prophet and we see the Prophet would actually care about her opinion. He would see her a woman who had maturity, and he would consult her in these matters and he accepted her suggestion. So she really had a special status with the Prophet Not only that, Um Salama was such an amazing woman that when she would ask about something, Allah found her worthy to respond to by revealing a verse in the Quran. So one day, Um Salama asked the Prophet, she told him, Ya Rasulullah, how come there is no specific verse in the Quran mentioning women migrating? We have verses that men, that praise companions who migrated from Mecca and Medina and made that sacrifice to support the Prophet. But she's like, there is no specific verse mentioning women migrating. Remember she migrated, a lot of other women migrated. So she wanted something from the Quran in which Allah is praising women specifically for their migration. Well, what do you think happened? Allah revealed verse 195 of Surah Ali Imran. فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ Allah answered their prayer. I will not allow the work or deed of any of you to go to waste, whether you're male or female. If you did a good deed, Allah will compensate you. Allah will not forget about your good deeds. Then Allah says, فَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا وَأُخْرِجُوا مِنْ دِيَارِهِمْ وَأُوذُوا فِي سَبِيلِي وَقُتِلُوا لَأُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ Allah says, then as for those who migrated, they were evicted from their homes, they were exiled, and they were harassed in my way, I will give them the reward. So Allah clearly mentions in this verse that if you're male or female, Allah will compensate you. So those of you who migrated, whether male or female, Allah will give you your deed. So see how amazing of a woman she was. She, she asked the Prophet a question, Allah decided I'm going to answer that for her. I will reveal something in the Quran about that. And this really shows you to those who object to the status of women in Islam, see one woman, inquires about one issue and she communicates her concern with the Prophet, Allah reveals a verse in the Holy Quran that's really big. Isn't that so much respect for women? 
In Arabia, this was inconceivable. A lady, your wife is saying something, who cares? Allah says, I care. Your wife says something, she asked a question, reasonable question, I give her the answer in the Quran and I will eternalize this till the day of judgment. Look at the respect Allah gives them. Yes? Not, not to take away from Salama, but uh, underscore the point about women. You know, Mujadala, yes, the pleading woman. And that shows you that Allah did, did care about these concerns. Yes, in Surah Al-Mujadala, a woman came to the Prophet, she was pleading, complaining about her husband. Allah documented that conversation in the Quran. See how much Allah gives them status? Allah saying, look, you, you're, you're, even your marital disputes, I'm aware of it, I see it. Be with me, I'll be with you. And Allah captures that conversation in the Quran. See how much respect Allah is giving to a woman. Because in that Arabian society, a woman complaining from her husband, there was nothing more silly than that in their eyes. Who cares? Big deal. A woman complaining from her husband, so what? Allah reveals an entire chapter recognizing that challenge and giving solutions. See the beauty of the religion of Islam? If more and more people just knew about this. So yes, that's another great example.